The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Welcome to the Wednesday, May 4th, 2022 meeting of the Annabelle Planning Commission. While we are conducting this meeting in person, we will provide virtual opportunities to address the commission during public hearings. Please be patient if there are technical issues. Mr. Leonard, will you call the roll? Yes, Commissioner Mills. Absent. Commissioner Gibrandle. Present. Commissioner Sove. Here. Commissioner Abrams. Here. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Here. Commissioner Dish? Present. Commissioner Lee? Here. Commissioner Clark? Here. Commissioner Weich? Here. We have a quorum. All righty. May I have a motion to approve the agenda? Okay. Moved by uh, Commissioner Lee, seconded by Commissioner Sauve. Is there a discussion on the motion? No discussion. All those in favor, please say aye. Any opposed? Okay, the motion carries. All righty. A little closer. Thank you. Um, we are on to number four, which is minutes of the previous meeting. Um, uh, may I have a motion to approve the minutes of April 19th, 2022? 
Okay, uh, let's see, Commissioner Lee, seconded by Commissioner Weich. Um, any discussion of the minutes? No? All right, all those in favor uh, of the motion, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, so the motion carries. We are on to number four, which uh, reports to the Planning Commission. Council Member Dish, do you have any reports? Council hasn't met yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mr. Leonard. Um, no report. I'm still, uh, we have a potential PUD pre-submission for next week's working session, but it's not confirmed yet. So I will certainly update the commission on the content of that working session, probably on Friday of this week. Okay. Um, any other commissioners or officers or liaisons have anything to report from any of the other committees or anything? All right, Commissioner Silvey. ORC met on TC1. I recused myself, but there was a continued discussion for TC1 rezoning in, at Stadium Boulevard. Can I ask the nature of the recusal? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah, <laughs> happy to. Uh, I, I am a property stakeholder uh, in the currently planned rezoning territory. All right, thanks for that. Okay, so we are on to item six, which is audience participation. Uh, this is an opportunity for persons to speak up for three minutes about an issue that is not listed on the public hearing of this agenda. Please note that the Planning Commission will be holding dedicated public hearings on 212 Miller Avenue site plan and the comprehensive plan review. If you wish to address the Planning Commission on other matters, now is an appropriate time. To speak on this matter, press star nine if listening by phone or use the raised hand feature if viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sound so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and, ad and address at the beginning of your comments. We don't have anybody present in the room. Is there anybody virtually waiting? Yes. Okay. Caller with the phone number ending with 534. You have up to three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Good evening. This is Tom Stalbert calling from Lower Town in Ann Arbor. Later on tonight, we're going to talk about the comprehensive plan. Uh, as I was thinking about some items uh, relating to that, I was thinking about the past. And actually, it was quite reflective today about uh, my friend Ethel Potts, who passed on in how, was it five years ago, maybe? Uh, her and I were at the Planning Commission talking about the upcoming uh, Morningside Lower Town project and saying how if the application that was being presented to you was to be contemplated that it required a revision to the comprehensive plan because it was not in conformance with the comprehensive plan. Uh, and I think we were getting naive at the time. <laughs> it should have been done. Um, and in that case, uh, it would have been a very simple matter of uh, looking at the comprehensive plan and seeing how that site called for a mixed-use urban village. And as planning staff itself said that this, uh, the proposal did not comply with that. Uh, 
And there was a desire by the developer to have essentially an entirely residential development with uh, accessory commercial use. Uh, given that was multiple parcels, one parcel at the corner, it could have been zoned to something that was kind of commercial use. And the rest would have been zoned to a residential category. So why did a revision to that part of the comprehensive plan occur as we requested? Well, if it had occurred, you would have found out what the citizens, the community, envisioned for that site, for that area. In the case of that area, a mixed use urban village probably would have been confirmed as what the community did want. Uh, you look at what you want for TC1, and that's consistent with that. That makes sense. Uh, and then the development could not have proceeded. It would have rejected it. Had the community said, no, we're, we're, our vision has changed. Uh, we, we're fine with an entirely residential project at that location. Uh, and then we, if we had then changed the comprehensive plan to match that new vision, uh, then the project would have had to go for a residential zoning and the most dense residential zoning, let's say what was approved for Valhalla. 30 more seconds. Uh, wasn't as much as they wanted. So in essence, we didn't do, the city did not partake in revising the comprehensive plan to the site as it should have because the developer would not have liked either outcome. But that's not how we operate. So when we're looking forward to changing, uh, revising our comprehensive plan, which we need to do, we need to look at the past and learn from the past and learn why we've gotten things so wrong over the past few years with regards to the comprehensive plan. That's one of multiple errors that's occurred with regards to the comprehensive plan in the past few years. I think we need some training. It's time to get that from an outside. That's three minutes. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, no other speakers are indicating a desire to address the commission. Uh, let's see. We are on to item seven then. Uh, Mr. Leonard, are there any uh, new scheduled public hearings? Yes, we have two new public hearings scheduled for the May 17th, 2022 uh, Planning Commission meeting. One is 330 Detroit Street Site Plan for Planning Commission approval. This is two existing buildings are proposed to be removed and accommodate a five-story building to include 14 residential units, 23 on-site parking spaces, eight, 1,850 square feet of ground floor retail space, and pedestrian vehicular access will be from North Fifth Avenue and Detroit Street. The zoning is D2, a lot size of 9,879 square feet, 0.23 acres. The site is located at 303, 3312, and 314 Detroit Street. The second new public hearing is proposed amendments to the Ann Arbor City Code, Chapter 55, Unified Development Code, to sections 5.16.1a, residential occupancy, section 5.16.2a and b, adult daycare center, child care center, 5.16.3j, outdoor recreation, 5.16.3p, transit corridor development, 5.16.4b, nonprofit corporations, 5.16.6c, drive through facilities, 5.16.6G group daycare home and section 5.19 parking standards are being considered to eliminate minimum parking requirements for all uses, eliminate or consolidate some parking use categories, eliminate the option for off-site bicycle parking, 
change the weight limit for vehicles parked in driveways and simplify the requirements for electrical vehicle parking and change, reformat, and include the TC1 district in the special parking district regulations. Alrighty, we are on to item 8A, which is unfinished business. And uh, we have the, um, the site plan on 212 Miller Avenue that we discussed last time for planning commission approval. This is the proposed construction of an eight unit multifamily residential building on this 0.2 acre parcel zoned D2 downtown interface. This item was postponed from the previous meeting and uh, we have uh, up to 10 minutes for a petitioner presentation. Hi. Kathy Kynath with um, Macon Engineering. And we did go back um, at the last planning commission meeting, you asked us to look at providing better barrier-free access um, to the site. So we went back through that process and we've met with the city. We looked at doing um, some various configurations of ramps um, and we determined that um, the lower level garages would be severely impacted by placing a ramp. Um, and, you know, as we discussed at the last meeting, um, there were also some issues with the city sidewalks and existing grades there um, not being very free compliant. So we came up with a solution of providing a lift um, on the outside. And if I can, I will share my, my screen with you. Can you see that? Not yet. No. <laughs> there we How go. About now? Yep. Okay. So originally, um, I'll, I'll, I'll back up a step here. This is the 309 Ashley project, which is under construction. Um, the work along the right of way has already been completed. There is an ADA compliant sidewalk along here. There's a door um, back here where my cursor is pointing and this existing sidewalk that was installed with the 309 Ashley project is a barrier free um, ADA compliant sidewalk. So what we're proposing to do is to use this area and grant a pedestrian access between the two properties which would allow people to use the existing sidewalk um, come up this sidewalk that's on the 309 Ashley property and then access a proposed lift that we are um, looking to put in this area. We, originally we had the steps here, we moved the steps over to the east um, and we think that that's the best solution um, to provide the barrier-free access from the public right-of-way up to this patio area where the entrances um, and the courtyard are to the 212 Miller project. And I will leave it at that unless Tom has anything he would like to add. Uh, no, thank you, Kathy. That uh, pretty much sums up uh, what we looked at over the last two weeks. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Khan, would you like to give a staff presentation? Yes. Um, what I wanted to add to Kathy's presentation is that um, uh, we did put together a, a meeting 
amongst a, a number of city staff members, as well as the petitioner, um, the architect and the civil engineer. And um, city staff all uh, supported the proposed uh, lift as a um, uh, apparently viable solution to creating a safer uh, non-motorized access to the to the east side of the site. Um, so staff uh, at this point um, uh, it, uh, continues to recommend approval of the uh, site plan project. Okay, thank you. So uh, now we are on to the public hearing. This is an opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about the proposed 212 Miller site plan. If you wish to address the Planning Commission on this item, press star 9 if listening by phone or use the raised hand feature if viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. First, is anyone present that would like to address the Planning Commission on this topic? Don't see anybody in the room. Mr. Leonard, any speakers that are waiting in the queue online? No speakers have indicated a desire to address the Commission on this item. Okay, I will close the public hearing then and read the proposed motion. The Anniversary City Planning Commission hereby approves the 212 Miller site plan inclusive of layout amendments dated 4-22-22 as it complies with all applicable local, state, and federal ordinances, standards, and regulations, and it will not cause a public or private nuisance. Moved by Commissioner Dish, seconded by Commissioner Lee. Discussion of the proposed motions. Nobody? Commissioner Lee. Uh, just a quick clarification question. Um, does the latest site plan actually show this change or is the change just, okay, gotcha. I was looking through, um, I'm guessing the renderings didn't get updated, but, uh, but the change is representative. Cool, all right, just wanted to make sure. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, and I would just add on to that. You'll recall in order to keep the shorter time frame, we did um, suggest that they provide this one-page layout, which they've that's been attached to the packet. The subsequent full site plans will be amended to reflect that with this revised layout, but I think that's what you're referring to. Uh, yep, that's perfect. Thank you for the clarification. Looks good to me. Okay, I just would like to say thank you team, development team, for um, accommodating our request and coming up with a creative solution. So we appreciate that you, um, that you went through that exercise. Okay, are we ready for a vote? All righty. Um, go ahead, Mr. Leonard. Okay, Commissioner Abrams. Yes. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yes. Commissioner Dish. Yes. Commissioner Lee? Yes. Commissioner Clark? Yes. Commissioner Weich? Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle? Yes. Commissioner Sove? Yes. Uh, the site plan is approved. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time.
We are on to 9A, regular business. Uh, this is for the discussion of the Comprehensive Plan Review. The Hanover City Planning Commission and Planning Development and Services Unit review the City Comprehensive Plan on a regular basis. The Planning Commission is seeking comments about the City's Comprehensive Plan, including elements that should be studied for possible change or new elements that should be added to the plan. Presentation by staff. That would be me. Um, I am going to just run through a, a very brief uh, overview. If I can remember how this whole Zoom thing works. Okay. Uh, uh, as uh, Commissioner Gibrandel indicated, this is uh, kicking off a look at the city's comprehensive plan. Just a reminder of the framework about why we plan. Uh, we plan for a couple of reasons. The Michigan Planning Enabling Act, first of all, that is the state legislation that directs us and allows us to plan. It's an act to codify the laws regarding and to provide for city planning. City are local ordinance. Uh, the, the Chapter 8 uh, directs not only the establishment of a planning commission, but also that the planning commission shall prepare a, a master plan for the orderly physical development of the municipality and the bylaws, the commission shall, the planning commission's bylaws shall advise the city council in the preparation and continuance of the comprehensive plan, being a guide for the future development of the city. Um, but more importantly, the comprehensive plan is the guide decide, designed to help us create a vision of what we wanna be. How do we want the city to change? How do we want it to evolve? What is our vision for what the city looks like on the long-term horizon? Uh, there are a couple of term, terms that um, are referenced already in this presentation and that you'll see um, over the time. First is master plan and comprehensive plan. Um, the Planning Commission has already uh, started this process, but uh, as you'll note from the previous slide, state legislation refers to master plan. Many of our documents are entitled master plan. However, um, the term master may evoke slavery. It may invoke uh, paternalism. It may invoke a, f a finality that is that uh, suggests that um, things are uh, set in stone and not to evolve. Um, so for those reasons, um, the Planning Commission and staff are moving towards an evolution of using the term comprehensive plan rather than master plan. Um, there's no specific reason that the term master plan has to be used as a term despite its reference in legislation. Um, but um, I will confess that over 20 year plus years of doing this work, it's still um, at times finding myself tripping up and switching my terminology, but um, that's the aspiration that I'd like to, um, that I'd like us to consider moving forward. Um, what is the city's plan? Uh, the city's plan in our case is actually eight documents. Uh, some communities have a single document. Uh, we don't, we have eight documents. These documents collectively comprise our comprehensive plan for the city. These eight documents uh, collectively set the policy guidance that the Planning Commission, uh, City Council, and our community um, utilize to understand what our vision is for the city. And that's a lot of pages. As a reminder, uh, you've seen this before. Sometimes we talk about this in the context of development review. Right now we're talking about this in the context of the left side of this, this, gra this graphic. The comprehensive planning process is the 
widest opportunity for community engagement. It's the widest opportunity to set the topic areas and aspirations and, and exploration of how we want our community to evolve. This is the sort of casting the widest net to figure out how we can um, identify and prioritize goals so that in the future we can set those strategies and implement those goals so that the subsequent development that we see is meeting the goals that we desire as a community. Review uh, of the comprehensive plan happens through a couple uh, from a couple of, of, of points. Um, since 2008 and the adoption of the Michigan Planning Enabling Act, there is an expectation that communities will review the plan every at least every five years. And then in your bylaws, it actually establishes a higher standard to review the plan on a annual basis. So this is an opportunity to be very um, big thinking, broadly thinking. Um, I think you've seen some of the feedback already from communication that's been received in the packet, but this is an opportunity to really, we're not presenting changes to the plan at this point, but rather an opportunity for the public to come to you as the planning commission and say, the plan should be changed or it shouldn't be changed. Um, what should it address? Do, are there ideas for what the process should look like? Are there ideas of what the product should look like? How, how would it be usable? How would it be functional? Um, are there particular areas of emphasis? Um, how far ahead should we be looking? 20, 30, 50 years? Um, and in fact, anything. Um, again, this is the opportunity for really the broadest opportunity for feedback and, and brainstorming as the city considers um, if to undertake this work and if and so in which direction. This isn't the only opportunity for that feedback. Planning at a2gov.org is always available to the community to provide uh, feedback at any time as we move forward. Thank you. Okay, now we're gonna have a public hearing on this topic. This is an opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about the city's comprehensive plan. If you wish to address the planning commission on this item, press star nine if listening by phone or use the raised hand feature if viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name, or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sound so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. First, is anyone present? I don't see anybody present. Uh, any speakers that uh, wish to address us virtually at this time, Mr. Leonard? Not yet. But I would suggest we give it a minute. Mm -hmm. While we're waiting, we, we got quite a few um, emails and things like that too, so I hope people have had a chance to be able to look at those. Uh, Mr. Stolberg, you have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Hello, this is Tom Stolberg again, calling from Lower Town in Ann Arbor. Uh, I really encourage you to engage an outside consultant to work on revising our comprehensive plan and engage an outside consultant to work on training both planning commission 
and city council in understanding better the relationship between the comprehensive plan and zoning and our UDC. Uh, a lot of people on the Planning Commission right now are very capable professionals can do a good job scrutinizing the site plan. And this has been observed by multiple people I've talked to. But over the past five years, not just the current body, but the body overall over the past few years, uh, is not addressing a, a rezonings and master, I'm sorry, comprehensive plan issues in a manner that uh, us with experience in the business are accustomed to seeing. Uh, as one land use attorney and expert in this area said, uh, they're not even having the right conversation. And what that relates to is, it, in order to comply with the Michigan Zoning Enabling Act, the Michigan Planning Enabling Act, and our own UDC, there's certain criteria we have to follow and certain process we have to follow. Uh, and we have not been doing that. When we make evaluations of rezonings, uh, we are not always following the criteria that's in our UDC. When we're taking other actions, we're not following the process that's outlined uh, in those other uh, enabling acts. Um, we're not permitted to have zoning if we don't comply with the Michigan Zoning Enabling Act. And we've been out of compliance frequently over the past few years. So I'm very much in favor of revising the comprehensive plan. I'm very much in favor of City Council Planning Commission and planning staff being better educated and better aware of the proper process, the proper laws, and I hope we can get that education from outside the city with, by hiring an expert as part of this process. Thank you very much. Any other speakers? Caller with the phone number ending with 464. You have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Um, hi, this is uh, Linda Brower. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. So, you know, frankly, I am I'm mystified by this agenda item because it's phrased um, in terms of, you know, we're supposed to look at the, at the comprehensive land use plan every year and you know, you want the community to weigh in if you think it's something we need to do now, and if so, which little bits and pieces of what we think should be changed. I, I don't understand this because state enabling legislation says for certain, to, to fulfill certain requirements, we have to completely review and update our master plan. I think it's every five years. We are well beyond that. So I would think that as the city planning leaders, you guys would be trying to put some heat under council to get that complete review rebooted. As I recall, before the pandemic, there was a commission or a committee appointed to, to, to seek out a consultant to shepherd through that process. Now, I know that Howard Lazarus stopped that process and then the, I don't know why, and then the pandemic happened, so it got put on the back burner. It's time to put it on the front burner, not just a look at here and there, let's do an annual cursory review. We need a complete comprehensive review of the comprehensive land use plan. And I want to point out that at the um, April 18th city council meeting, our city administrator, Milton Dahoney, stated that our comprehensive land use plan is badly out of date and needs to be updated. That's a quote. 
And he talked about how state law requires this to happen. And he proposed allocating $700,000 for the process of review, public engagement, and revision. So I'm hoping and expecting that budget item will be approved at the May 16th council meeting. And you should be now getting ready to prepare to shepherd that process through. And during the same presentation, Mr. Dahoney called out three specific areas for future focus overall. One, downtown upgrades, including public restrooms. And I, as you're the city planning commission, I would ask that you look at where we can have public restrooms downtown. And number two, equity inclusion, which should be part of your process as well as every other city process. 30 more seconds. And three, engagement. And he, he, the third focus he mentioned was engagement. And he said it needs to be robust and inclusive of all sectors of the community. And so that kind of public engagement not, has to be part of the comprehensive review of the comprehensive land use plan. Not just looking at particular stakeholders, quote unquote, but at broad sectors of the community, just as our new city administrator, Mr. Dahoney, has asked for. And I'm really expecting the City Planning Commission and Mr. Leonard as a planning staff head to really put some heat on this because it's high time, it's way overdue. We need to look at everything as, as a community. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any other speakers? Alex Lowe, you have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Alex Lowe, you can address the Planning Commission. Alex Lowe. There you go. Now we can hear you. Sorry about that. Right. Sorry about that. Um, hi, this is Alex Lowe uh, calling from Fernwood Avenue. I'm actually quite excited about, about the uh, new comprehensive plan and uh, options that, uh, that we have uh, for it. And I just thought I'd, I'd express what I'd like to see. But first thing I'd like to see is more fo uh, uh, focus on pedestrians and uh, bus riders. It, um, that, that includes uh, things like if you've got a, um, a large development under, uh, under proposal uh, re uh, requiring cut-throughs so, uh, so that people can ac uh, access uh, busways uh, uh, very easily. This, Goes really well with uh, with the TC uh, TC one zoning uh, related to uh, uh, to which I'd love to see more push from all parts of uh, um, uh, uh, of the uh, the city government to uh, to work towards uh, uh, more TC one faster and. I, th I think it might be time to start uh, to start considering in, in certain areas of uh, of the city some parking maximums. 
we we des desperately need more density in the in the city so that we can allow more people to uh, uh, to live in Ann Arbor. And in some places, what uh, what we're seeing is just huge swaths of uh, um, of parking at, uh, outside of uh, uh, stores that even on Black Friday just never fill up beyond you know thirty percent, maybe fifty percent. So I'd I'd love to see uh, to see some action taken on that. Thank you. Thank you. No other speakers have indicated a desire to address the commission. All righty. So there is no action proposed tonight, um, but this is an opportunity for uh, Planning Commission to be able to provide feedback to staff um, on what to incorporate into future action on the comprehensive plan. Yeah, and I can maybe just set the stage for that a little bit. So you heard some of this during public comment. Um, the city administrator is proposing funds for to assist the city in uh, some comprehensive plan update process. That has not been adopted, but um, it will be considered, I think, at the second May meeting um, of, uh, of the council. Accurately, we went through an RFP as well back in 2019, I believe. Um, so from a staff perspective, I just I want to tell you what sort of my vision is my vision is for moving forward. Um, I do think it's time to sort of revisit that comprehensive uh, plan update that was started in 2019 and got uh, a bit sidetracked by the pandemic. My vision would be to um, start working on a request for proposals in that regard. Um, I think much of the requests for proposals priorities that were established previously are still relevant. Um, a more uh, concentrated focus on climate change, um, a more concentrated focus on equity, a more concentrated focus on perhaps aging in place. Um, and now we have the benefit of some more community conversation about some of these items, such as the A20 uh, plan and, and, and other community conversations. So uh, I envision, um, frankly, sort of dusting off that RFP, uh, starting with where we are today with some updates, having an initial conversation with the master plan subcommittee of this group to get it into what I hope is a pretty final format, present it to the planning commission then for feedback, and then it'll sort of um, go away from the planning commission as the, hopefully the city, the budget holds. We can start working on that. Um, we, I do envision engaging a consultant to help with this, so we can start that process um, eventually, hopefully, successfully select a consultant and start the work of that process. So that's what I envision from a process perspective. Um, either now or uh, at the next meeting, this would be an opportunity if there are big picture aspects of, of that RFP that you think would be really important that perhaps weren't addressed last time. Um, if any of those big topic areas that I just mentioned seem to be glaring blind spots for something that you want to see specifically addressed, um, provide that to me now, or even if you individually provide it to me as um, correspondence before the next meeting, um, or even after that, um, I can take that and start um, considering it in the context of that RFP. So um, I'll, I'll stop there. Again, this is an opportunity for the public to sort of provide their feedback to you. If you have thoughts now, things that you would really want to make sure that are emphasized in that RFP, I can take them now or in the future. 
Commissioner Dish? I'm not really sure how to word this, um, but I think it's distinct from equity, and I think that it has to do with um, updating the comprehensive master plan um, with a view to understanding, uh, sorry, uh, well, with a view to reparation, and I, I hesitate to use that word because it can be just a red flag word, but I think more than equity is at stake here. It's really a, we want to have a consciousness about how land use contributed to wealth creation in the past for a limited group of folks and what can be done to address uh, the, the built-in structural distribution of wealth through land use patterns and to, as much as we can, mitigate, redress, you know, undo. Undo is hard. Uh, we don't get to start from, from scratch. But clearly this is a, you know, it's a national conversation. Most of us are aware of it. It's come up here on Planning Commission many times. Um, and I think of that as being distinct from equity because it has something more to do with, with justice. <laughs> so anyway, I kick that out there. I, I think we've talked about this before. So I just wanted to bring it back up. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Are we able to see that RFP at some point soon to be able to bank comments yeah. on it? Okay. Um, I agree with what Commissioner Dish was saying. Um, to the extent that we talk about equity and racial justice, both, I think that's really important. Um, yeah, I think it would be good to see the RFP. Another thought I had was, you know, Coming out, coming out of COVID, um, public health is sort of another umbrella where we can, you know, that climate change impacts health, um, equity impacts health. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, aging in place. Um, so that could be, that's a frame that I know a lot of other cities, Las Vegas just did, they adopted a new comprehensive plan and like health sort of was a frame for that. I think it'll just sort of, that'll depend like what consultant we pick, but um, that could be something, if that's something that we think would work as a frame, maybe that gets worked into the RFP. I don't know, but yeah, I kind of want to, <laughs> at some point, we'd like to see the RFP that we used last time to be able to. Yeah, I can share it, but um, let me just give a, maybe a quick high-level overview sure. of the content now, a little bit more than what I had uh, did before. So the, the original RFP um, started with um, a, pro a conversation with the community about values. I envision this to be a bit of a less so about what are, what are our visions for being uh, where we want to be, but more as a, um, a, a set of filters that we could apply when we were facing a, different, a difficult discussion through the evolution of the comprehensive plan. Um, when we were facing something that there were maybe multiple viewpoints, a set of values that we could go to um, and say, how would it further these values to perhaps help us resolve conflicts in that process? Um, the second piece was community engagement, um, that it was going to be um, expansive um, and successful to make sure that we were getting to 
everyone. Um, it included even aspiring community members as part of that conversation instead of just community members. Um, and that, um, and we've specifically emphasized community engagement as um, your proposal should reflect that as a primary proportion of cost and work because it's so foundational to the process. Uh, we asked for, uh, we suggested consolidation. Um, right now we have eight plans. Um, the original RFP set a target of a maximum of 100 pages. Um, I will tell you that in the, even in the preliminary conversations that that was really appealing to some people and it was really scary to some people because we have thousands of pages of policy and I think that there's a fear of what gets lost in that. But I think it doesn't have to be 100 pages, but having, uh, having to read eight documents to establish what the community's vision is, I think is also um, not ideal. Uh, land use, uh, uh, identify a future land use plan that addresses uh, goals of the city, um, including projected or desired population growth. Um, the original target was 2050 and beyond. Um, trying to perhaps think about less of a future land use map that is very referential to our current zoning pattern and more of a future land use map that might, similar to those values, provide a framework for how proposals could be evaluated. I think that's a fundamental component of our community conversation. Do we want to preserve our existing land use pattern or do we want to find ways that it can evolve? Uh, then we talked about focus areas. Um, aging in place, uh, perhaps updating our design guidelines that are used in our downtown districts. We started having conversations about applying those elsewhere. Um, how does it interact with the University of Michigan plan? We will not be planning on university property, but how are we thinking about their long-term evolution? Um, a very, and then a very specific uh, and effective um, implementation strategy for us to take those visions, move forward. Um, that's an addition, those are, so those are the things beyond the, um, the focus on equity and climate change that I had previously addressed. So I'll, I'll share this as well, but that's a more comprehensive picture of what was in the original RFP. That's super helpful, which brings up a couple other questions for me. Um, one of the things I was gonna ask anyways, that you talked about the like, consolidation. So you showed the pictures of like the eight different plans. So, you know, we just adopted a transportation plan, the AT0 plan, how, and then you showed like the land use element. So like what port, are you seeing that this is an update to that? Are we trying to eliminate some of those other plans? We're not gonna eliminate a transportation plan that we just adopted. So, and there's like the pros plan for parks. No, is this I, kind of gonna take those plans and incorporate them within this document so that you wouldn't have to read those others to get a general idea? Or how are you envisioning that? I think it's a great question. Uh, the some of them I think are well suited to consolidation. I would say things like our natural features master plan, our downtown plan, mm -hmm. our land use plan, um, uh, and the sustainability framework. Those are all citywide, citywide or very um, fairly wide geographies that I think would be well suited for a single consolidation. Um, Plans such as the transportation plan, the tree line master plan, and the pros plan. Um, the pros plan gets updated on a, a sort of a, a, a little bit tighter timeline. Um, I feel less strongly about those. I, I would say generally, 
there, four documents is still an awful lot, but there might be some logic in keeping some of those. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not, I don't envision all of them being consolidated, but I don't know that I would start off with that assumption. It might be worth at least the exploration about how far could we go. Okay. Then the last thing, I think, um, you talked about values and you talked about focus areas and I feel like they could be one in the same. So I, I think it's, we need to ab like absolutely set focus areas initially, but if it feel, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the consultant would sort of go through like, you know, we all sitting at this table are saying equity and justice has to be a focus area. You know, when we get out into the community, when the consultant gets out into the community, maybe they'll hear something vastly different. I mean, there's going to be some sort of like discussions. If, the, if we say these are certain focus areas that we want and that's not what comes out in community conversations, there will be adjustments. I can't imagine that the ones that we've said would not be. But, you know, I also don't want to be like premature and saying like, before we even have community conversations, like we've decided that these are the focus areas, if that makes any sense. I, I don't think yeah. we're doing that, but well, th that's that that community engagement plan, I think, has to be sort of like designed to make sure that that input is all reciprocal. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that's. I'm not worried about that. Our, for example, our city council has set some policy directions. You know, that's, for example, climate carbon neutrality is something that this board struggles with on a project by project basis. Our legislative body has declared that as a goal. And so including that as a focus area seems pretty comfortable mm -hmm. to me. Justice and equity mm -hmm. seems like a fairly comfortable component to put in there as a priority. Um, perhaps things like, yeah, I mean, I, like when you're, when you're posing that question, I think about aging in place. Um, we have an aging population like everybody else, but a lot of the things that are good for aging in place are good for everybody across the community. So maybe it doesn't need to be framed in that way. So, um, but I, I also think that there's some logic in trying to be specific in what we're asking for so that we get the best partnership and assistance in getting there. So. I, th I think to keep it too open to say, let's wait till the community engagement process is resolved before we know what those focus areas are. That might, that's probably too late, but I, th I hear what you're saying. We need to build in the ability to sort of reset and make sure that they are reflective of what we're hearing. Yeah, I, mean, I totally, I totally yeah. agree with all that. I think it's just, you know, I think there's this rhetoric that's like, well, why should I participate if, if they've it's already, already decided? Yeah. yeah. Commissioner Survey. Hybrid, like I guess maybe that's just, this is just a very specific thought. But like through the past few years, we've learned about the possibility of engagement that may not have been in, that wasn't in the RFP to that degree before. And so making sure when we are talking about community engagement, looking at access to technology, access to multiple timescales, but you know access virtually and in person, uh, and making sure there's. Like we just have more tools and access points, so I think that's just something to like to reinforce, um, which might be another way to engage. Uh, I think how we discussed in the previous uh, effort around this, uh, our current and aspiring communities, um, which I know is also like an interesting one. But you know, we've got that commuter. Um, segment of our population, the student segment of population. And so the, those are areas outside of, you know, 
the established population that have a huge impact and should have a say um, and probably have a desire and can have pain points to, that should be voiced and listened to. Um, so those are at least a couple of my additional thoughts right now. Oh, um, we did talk maybe like six months ago about maybe doing a call or at least at this table, like looking through every, like, mm -hmm. is that part, like prior to this process, something that we were looking to do or like offer up to the consultant as like a first pass from our end? Yeah, I mean, anything I think we do in that regard would help that process. Um, it is something that we've talked about. It's something that I wish I would have gotten done already, but any progress we make on that, even if it's not complete, I think helps set the stage, if only sort of uh, an audit about the goals and strategies of the previous documents and what is our assessment on those. You know, uh, an example of one of those, as you'll see in the work program, uh, is revisit premiums to encourage housing in the D1 and D2 districts. So that occurred in 2009. That was a specific strategy. It was accomplished. Five years ago, I probably would have said, Chuck, we don't need to do that. But here we are now revisiting that. It's still reflective of that same strategy. So, um, but yes, yeah, the short answer is, I think that would be work that would be well done, well timed to be doing now as we're gearing up to a contractual relationship with a consultant. Say, hey, here's some homework already to set the stage for where we've been. Um, but you also got a lot of other stuff going on, so. Is, do you think that, do you imagine that being with the full board, part of this committee, like subcommittee? I'd probably start with the master plan committee. Okay. Um, and then for timeline, I'm assuming that we're trying to get to a contract starting with a fiscal year or? Yeah, if the funds are awarded, they wouldn't be available until July. So now seems like the right time to start sort of a RFP I don't know exactly when that procurement process will start, if we'll start it actually in July, but um, the time seems right to start getting organized so that once that hits, um, we're either well underway or maybe even close to a selection process. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if like, you don't wanna actually announce RFP until the money's officially yeah. Yeah. like opened up yeah. versus- and it, it hasn't yet. Yeah. So until July. So yeah, I guess that's kind of the timing of like, are we ready to sign from the RFP in July or are we ready to release the RFP for applications in July? Yeah, we could probably release it before. Okay. Um, but even starting now, I anticipate that there'll be some time and we're gonna wanna provide some time to respondents to make sure that you know we're getting the information we want. So. Yeah. Um, and I guess to that committee, since we have a lot of commissioner turnover, like, and I don't know if we've addressed that role in this past year, since it was kind of like a floating thing, since we, we didn't know how active it was gonna be. I just wanna like, if anybody wanted to like join oh. um, in the interim right now that like isn't like officially designated to that committee. Yeah, typically we do committee appointments in July, but maybe it makes sense to bring it with the work program next meeting. And since time's right, that there's gonna be work particularly done on this plan committee. Okay, so yeah, we would we yeah. we would wait till July typically, but since just we get a head start to. on yeah. new committee yeah. appointments, maybe or at least for this one. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Anybody else? Go ahead, Commissioner Abrams. Uh, can you remind us who's on that committee? 
I was afraid you were going to ask that. Uh, and while you're pulling that up, I also just um, have a question about the timeline. The process that you described sounds very lengthy. And I'm wondering how we balance um, taking our time and leaving enough time for the right amount of engagement and, you know, close, careful thoughtfulness with uh, a kind of urgency that I think we feel and the community feels to do this. And I'm also thinking about 2030 and it being 2022. I don't know, or maybe we could just um, talk about an estimate of the process you described and how long it might take. It sounded to me like could easily take two, two and a half years or something like that. Um, and so then would we be, would city council be adopting a new comprehensive plan in like 2026 or 2025 for things which were, are meant to impact our, you know, 2030 goals among other things. So, yeah. Um, I, I do think it's a multi-year effort. Sure. I know. I know. I just wondered yeah. if we could just and I, think and realistically about how to about the timeline. I don't mean to brush us, but maybe just to have expectations, um, shared expectations. I I think that part of that is probably part of that. We're we're more successful in that probably by more accurately pinpointing the focus areas at the outset. So as we're engaging with a consultant, we're putting together that work program, we have a better sense of what what we need to do. And that gives us a better ability to probably stick with that time frame and be mm -hmm. faithful to it. I think to the extent we um, leave more of that evolution, um, not content, but even like sort of categories to, we will decide that after phase one, that probably increase, increases the chances of more time. Um, for scale, I think the last RFP was proposing about a, a year and nine month process, which um, I thought might have been optimistic. So um, the current plan review committee is Commissioners Clark, Hammerschmidt, Lee, and Sove. Thank you. Um, is there uh, what would be the standard practice in terms of, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. So there was a consultant who had been engaged and that contract was terminated due to COVID? No. It was never executed. It was so, never executed. Yeah, we, uh, we had, um, so as a reminder to new commissioners, when we started this process in 2019, we actually formed a, a sort of a, an advisory committee. Each ward nominated a, a resident from their ward as well as the mayor. And then we had some city staff as well. Um, we went through uh, that group, did the review of proposals, um, shortlisted them for interviews, conducted the interviews, um, and then came to a recommendation um, that, was never that was never approved by city council. So um, that was... Is there any possibility of uh, having that time and labor be <laughs> part of this process, or are we I mean, starting we, from scratch required? Uh, I, um, I don't think we're starting from scratch because we have that RFP as a good foundation already. I think that it does warrant going through the process again. Um, part of that is firms deciding what their capacity is timing-wise. And 
we are going to have some minor adjustments to that RFP. We have the A20 plan now. We didn't have that before. Previously, we said climate change should be more front and center. Now we have some more specific recommendations. I think more of the questions now is how do we want to pull that document into our land use framework? So, um, so the short of it is I, I don't think that there's much recycling that work, but at the same time, I don't know that we need to go through that same process again. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Do you meet the same process you mean with the, the community? Correct. Okay, I was yeah. gonna ask about. So you're envisioning the, the selection process is gonna be comprised of staff? I don't know yet, okay. um, but um, probably something different than it was before. Um, that was a, it was a really robust process. Yeah. We got a lot of feedback. But one of the things that was interesting with that is because for whatever reason that construction, we started having a lot of discussions about content and what might end up in the planning process versus sort of just getting to that process. Um, so I don't know, you know, again, very, per, very interesting conversations, really compelling, passionate conversations, but it wasn't necessarily always the best path towards getting us into the work of actually turning the switch and starting to actually incorporate some of those ideas or test them. So, um, so there'd probably be some combination, I'm guessing, of commissioners and staff. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's a city council awards the contract, um, but I haven't, I, 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 I don't have it sort of exactly mapped out yet, but not the same process as last time. I'm pretty, I, I wouldn't re recommend that. That makes sense to me. Commissioner Lee. Uh, thank you. Um, I kind of voicing everyone else's uh, discussions. I think it's important for us to clarify the deliverable and timeline of things just to be able to have a pretty broad understanding of, you know, what are expectations of timing as well as the deliverable. Are we combining? Are we uh, reducing? Are we enhancing um, some of these different plans? I know each one of these have had incredible amounts of feedback, inclusion, research. So, um, the thought of combining would be, you know, have to be a pretty rigorous process. Um, my other thoughts, I, I know there were some comments that came in about the land use plan um, being a pretty critical one for us to tackle. I agree with that. Um, uh, also natural features, just because I know we've come such a long way with stormwater as well. Um, I've also been looking at other, you know, cities, comprehensive plans, best practices, an infrastructure plan is I think something that we might wanna also consider um, as we move forward. Uh, identifying and resolving conflicts that may exist between the different plans, just given the kind of temporal nature of how long it's, you know, uh, the distance between it I think will be kind of critical. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, the overarching point that I wanna, hopefully we can get is clarifying the deliverable and timeline of this, of what we're looking to achieve. So that we, we're all talking kind of from the same viewpoint of, okay, these are some of the hallmarks or, or I, I guess time frames that we need to hit. So um, th those are the two items, deliverable, timeline. Let's clarify those. Uh, and then, and obviously the, the values piece is so incredibly important, transparency, inclusivity, social justice, all of those things are gonna be uh, obviously key as we move forward and, and the ability, I, I love the comment about technology and, and how far we've come in the way that uh, people provide comments. So I think we have a opportunity to be more inclusive than ever, but uh, just the, wanted to bring up at least these points of 
resolve conflicts that exist within plans and let's clarify what are we do like what's the deliverable of like what's the composition of that comprehensive plan going to look like at the onset uh, without compromising all of the underlying work that's been done to you know get us to where we are so just getting a clearer sense of that i think will help a lot of people to conceptualize what this process will look like thank you anybody else um, I would just like to get a little bit more clarification. I'm not on the committee. I'm not asking to be on the committee for this, but um, I'm just wondering how you see the interface between the larger planning commission and the subcommittee. Is it that something that's going to sort of come up in a somewhat regular basis in our working sessions, or do you see them being pretty separate? I'm just curious, because I, I would definitely like to be able to weigh in every once in a while, but. Um, I don't have the bandwidth for it either to be able to be on it. So. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, it could happen a lot of different ways. Initially, I think that I would envision that the subcommittee would help as like ORC does, they help staff present a better product to the full commission. So the committee wouldn't have any action. They would, they would be an extension of the staff in that case, sort of playing that interloper role between what we put on paper and them saying, I think the commission is going to be more responsive to this approach. And so then that would come to the full commission. I would envision at some point, I think it would be great to have the planning commission say and take action to say, yes, this RFP represents our desire for how this process should look and the product that we want and the areas of focus. Um, I think that's important. That's an important endorsement because you are the body that ultimately has to create this document and present it to the city council. Then the next phase of that would be determining how we want to involve the planning commission with a selection. The planning commission won't vote on that contract, but there, I think right. we want to figure out how to involve the, either the committee, a few members in that process. So that once that does go to city council, similarly, the planning commission has had a voice in saying, yes, this seems like the right partner for us to undertake. This is the right scope. These are the adjustments we would suggest. So that's presented to city council. And then if that is enacted, then um, then it's probably um, the next phase is what's in that work plan? What groups are we creating? Are we creating a steering committee? Are we creating many steering committee? Are we creating focus groups? Um, the last plan had a little bit of both. It had some sort of bi-disciplinary focus groups, but then it also had some sort of steering committees that were sort of over top of those focus groups, trying to tie some of those things together. So, um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I think that a consultant can help bring us some expertise in how that has gone in other communities. Um, that's, that's one of the really great benefit besides horsepower is, hey, they're, they're doing this planning process in multiple communities um, on a frequent basis where they got several going at a time. They can bring that expertise and knowledge about how those community engagements were successful or not successful and how we can improve upon them. Okay, that's helpful, thank you. Um, I guess one other thing I'd like to say, too, is um, the whole idea of aspiring people in Ann Arbor. And um, I have teenagers, and I just noticed that their views are really different than a lot of the things that we hear here for our public comment. And, um, you know, they're the future. I would love it if my kids could afford to live here. I don't know that they will be able to. Um, but I think it would be interesting to engage, like, some people in our local high schools or things like that about like what they, this is really, I mean, we're planning for the future. These are the people that 
we hope can live here, the people that grew up here that actually could have a chance to live here too. So I'd like to think about that in a slightly broader way because I think they are very unlikely to show up to our typical meetings. Um, and I think that they do have an important voice. So I guess I would just add that in terms of how to think about engagement as well within this that, um, you know, I, I think there are lots of places where, where kids and students are corralled where we could <laughs> actually get, get their feedback and not ask them to show up to an evening meeting or something like that. And I think that um, uh, there's a lot of things that they have a stake in with this, so. I'm sure they're at least watching Mom on TV. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so um, what I, I, I just want to just v sort of reflect back what I'm hearing. Um, it sounds like the commission is of a similar mind as I am. Probably a good starting point is a similar RFP as we did before. Um, I'm going to make some adjustments based on some of the comments that we talked about. Um, um, I would say um, the next time that this full group might see it is after staff has gone through it and the, sub the plan subcommittee has gone through it. So um, I'm not going to commit to a time yet, but I do want to get moving on it. Um, it's perfect timing with our bylaws now. If that council budget holds, um, um, I, I do think that we're in good shape to um, make some progress. Um, if anything, I would say that I'm a little worried about cost based on this budget item and what our last cost was. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I've, I still feel really fortunate that um, so far that, um, and I think the administrator, as, as was noted, he's. He's very committed to having this conversation to the extent we can, so. Great. Okay, thank you. All right, we are on to uh, item 10A, which is other business. So um, this is the 2022-23 City Planning Commission and Staff Work Program recommendation. Uh, and the recommendation is postponement, so. Um, Mr. Leonard, did you want to? Yeah, so as you'll recall from the memo, so this is um, a frequent flyer on your agendas, both the last meeting, this meeting, and then it will be presented to the commission for hopeful adoption at the next meeting. So after the public hearing we just held, after this conversation about the plan, um, this is an opportunity for you to say, I like this, I don't like it, I want to, re we should reprioritize things. Um, since you've last, since you last saw this, I think I made uh, the, the changes that were discussed. Let me just highlight them. Um, I did, and you, I think you, there was at least one communication on this. I pulled out the next steps, my, milestones as part of this. This is an annual work plan. We can always put it back in if desired. Um, um, I added what I thought, um, and thanks to Commissioner Sovain Mills, who um, I sort of bounced some, just, just some drafts off of. Um, there was a conversation about why are we doing some of these things? What is the impetus for this? Where are they referenced in our planning documents? So in the top stanza, you're seeing more sort of regulatory frameworks. And then in the bottom is our uh, planning framework. Um, I put down just a very simplistic reference to where you would find the applicable language in those documents as it relates to those standards. I did include the A20 plan on here. 
Um, I also include applicant uh, petitions, things that the Planning Commission has proposed and things that staff have proposed in addition to the land use planning framework. Uh, I moved parking maximums and, and added solar energy readiness to 20 to this year. Um, um, uh, as was as was discussed, um, another item that was discussed uh, was uh, mixed use neighborhoods, uh, 20 minute neighborhoods, uh, providing other types of uses um, in perhaps residential neighborhoods to reduce trips. Um, that has been added to 2023. Missing middle R4C and residential district infill has also been added to 2023. Um, other than that, um, you'll still see the TC1 by corridor by year. You'll still see the laundry list of sort of things we might get to in the future. Um, again, this is just another touch point. Hopefully it's getting closer to what's comfortable for the commission. Um, this 2022 is a little intimidating to me, but just to be clear, I'm happy to shoot for the moon and we'll see what we can get done. Any discussion? Commissioner Sobey. Thank you for adding that. Um, if you want to look at it. Um, with those references, I like in terms of the work plan for 2022 and just the previous discussion, um, the transportation plan recommends parking maximums in transit corridors, which we've done. You will reconsider them next meeting. Okay. So I guess I like I, I just want clarification on like uh, in addition to that, for for me I'll just kind of voice that I I do not see parking maximums as a priority to pressure the work plan instead of being thoughtful over the other agenda items. When the parking maximum goals I feel like have been met um, to the extent of um, being within those districts, they're not recommended to be. Um, um, applied to all districts at this point. So I'll just say that like of, of things and priorities, that would be one that I would be happy to drop to 2023. If not, just watch the market and like respond and have it be a kind of a living thing. So I, I think like what you did was actually really, uh, really helpful to be able to like see and pinpoint exactly what the language said about parking maximums and decide, at least for me, that it, it isn't kind of a necessary effort at this time. Any other comments? I would envision uh, by the next meeting, I don't know how much I will have, but to the extent I have a better sense of time frame for the planning process, I might reflect some of that in there. But I, uh, as a caveat, I don't envision that it has that time, those timelines have to be in here. I really envision this to be our this is the big thing that goes on the bulletin board. There's a lot of work that happens with each one of these that we can talk about timeframes and I'm happy to develop other products. So um, just over the coming weeks before that adoption, if it's something that you feel is important to incorporate, we can look at it. But I really wanted to start with a, um, the list this, and just keep us hopefully disciplined on these things. The other challenging thing will be if things come up, um, if for some reason council asks us to look at something, um, in the past, we've sort of put a placeholder for that there, but um, 
that hasn't happened with the same frequency over the last year that it probably did the prior couple of years. So I'm okay with it at how it is. Commissioner White. So looking at the work plan in particular, the Delta changes, am I, is my understanding correct that the comprehensive plan review process won't touch the UDC? That's correct. So is, in, in terms of this lead of the changes in UDC, one of the things that I was hoping for was sort of some consolidations of overlaps um, in some of the zoning. Does this incorporate that or is it being kicked out separately as like the R4C at the bottom of 2023 and then into 2024. So the idea would be we would like take a meeting and everyone brings the thing they want to get rid of in the UDC. And then we, we hash it out, put it on a board, and then we come to some consensus and then we vote things out of the UDC. Or is your plan staff's going to bring recommendations to planning as Alexis has already done and then we say yes or no to those types of things so it can happen either way well, and it, how did if I could how, how are you imagining it in the work plan so right now in this work program I'm not imagining a lot of capacity for um, adding new things so if you if like if, if if that is something that the planning commission is desirous to say that there might be things that are not reflected on this list that we would like that you'd like to tackle more quickly in that case i would suggest we define and name it and we add it to this year and then we move something else off maybe it's parking maximums maybe it's something else or move something back um I guess I'm, because I don't want to be out of line, that is to say, This is your, the process, this is exactly the process. You're not out of line. It, yeah. I understand that I'm not out of line in this part of the conversation, yeah. but when I start directing staff work, that's where I feel like it's out of line. So if, if, if the idea was, hey, I've looked at the UDC, we can get rid of like 40 of these restrictions, which would, you know, help us with light sizes and non-conforming lots and would allow for height restrictions to be removed and stuff like that. I imagine that's going to generate some kind of staff work. And then you're going to say, okay, we can either do these 40 things you just brought to us or we can do the things that are on the work plan that I've already created for you. So what I'm asking is, given that you're the person who brings the plan to us and that we give you feedback, how yeah. did you imagine that going? Did you, did you imagine that being a part of this year's work plan at all? And so you just say no. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not part of this work plan, but it could okay. be. Like one of the things we well, talked about. Well, I know you're agreeable yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but, so. uh, but I want to be clear, you know, it's the planning commission. That's why this is here. This, it is for you to direct my work. And so 
it is for you to tell me of these things, which are the things that are most important to the planning commission. And if, um, and, and I would say that like, th it depends if you want to eliminate, if, if that conversation is let's eliminate lot sizes and all dimensional requirements in all districts, that's a big conversation. Sure. Um, that I'd probably say like, mm, we probably need to move three or four of these things off at least to have that conversation. Um, if we have that conversation, it's more focused. It might, it might be one. If that's a, but if that's a conversation, I think that's my point is let's name it. Let's commit the resources to having that conversation to see um, what that looks like. Or yeah, just so put I, a placeholder on there. To, and even if we have to limit it, even if that list is 30 and, and I say, let's start with these five. Sure. That's at least that's at least prioritizing that conversation in the context of all these other things that the commission has already talked about. Right. So I think in my mind, I was waiting for the invitation of the review of the UDC for things we could just consolidate. And it doesn't seem like that's on the horizon explicitly. Yeah. It, it's being picked up in the R4C conversation. It's being picked up in the missing middle. It's being picked up in things that Alexis identifies and brings to us. But there's not a blanket conversation where we look at the UDC and we say, there's a lot in here that doesn't really need to be in here. You know, like, I didn't know that in the UDC is the restriction of unrelated people inside the living thing. That was surprising to me because I just read about that in Kansas. And I was like, I thought we got rid of that. But no, it's right there. Four unrelated people can't live together by statute. And I'm like, why is that in there? I mean, I know why, but why is it still in there? So that's the kind of thing, and, and there's no, un, unless we bring it through the um, planning commission business at the end of the agenda, then it's a surprise to everybody. There is no real conversation to tack it onto something. And that's what I'm, I'm really asking is, what's the process for us to have that level of conversation? Because we've identified, hey, this shouldn't be here but there's not a clear path for how are we gonna talk about it? What are the implications? What does it mean for staff time? And so then it just sits. And then you just bring it up like I am now and everyone's looking and they're like, yeah, what are we gonna talk about that? <laughs> okay. did, did you have something? Yeah, we had like unzoning, I think was it was called, right? Which was this kind of, a little maybe brainstormy segment that it got a little lost is I'm assuming that's kind of what we're trying to get back to. Can you explain kind of where that went or like how that logic might fall into something? Yeah, so a couple things. It's not on here. Um, it was something that I threw out. It, um, I guess I didn't hear a lot of momentum towards it. Um, I think part of it is also, I think some of the things that Commissioner White is talking about in unzoning, there are, there are aspects of that conversation that we could undertake today. We could clear the deck and dedicate our next working session to, let's just start, what's everybody's wish list for the UDC? And then some of that I think would be sorted in the context of what do our plans support in that regard and what do our plans not support in that regard? So I think some of that can happen through this plan process that we're talking about. When we undertake that planning process, what do we want that to say about our definition of family? 
What do we want it to say about lot sizes across the city? What do we want it to say about height? Um, so there's a lot of ways towards it. And I, would, I, I think in a way, the broader it gets and the more comprehensive across all of our land, that's the right place for it. That's not to say that we have that conversation and there might be some really more pointed, narrow things that are clearly supported by the years of engagement that we've already commented that are reflected in our current planning documents. Even though we, are, we might suggest that yes, it's time to update our plan, it doesn't mean that we disregard the policy that we have on the books now. So um, part of that conversation is these three meetings. What are you not seeing on here? If, if, if getting rid of unrelated, the definition of family is one of those things, that's the kind of conversation that we can add to this work program. Um, it doesn't have to happen in these meetings. We can dedicate a time to it to explore that. But that's part of my intention is sort of getting this to you in these iterations to say, there's 10 things on here that I don't see that I would like to see. Um, that's up to the whole commission to agree that those things are important as opposed to just one commissioner. It's not a list of everybody's wishes, but this is absolutely the time to, to do that. And if, um, and I can work to sort of put together that conversation if you feel like um, that hasn't been provided adequately. I think the thing that I'm struggling with is the, the land use through the, comp through the comprehensive plan review overlaps but doesn't directly address. So like the setbacks is in the UDC. It's not gonna be in the land use, but how we use the land is related to how we place structures on the lots. And I just don't know where to get into that because where we get into it is when someone comes and says, like um, um, uh, Jennifer Hall did and said, you know, we're gonna build this structure here and we see the setback and we're like, well, why are you not maximizing this land and coming closer to the sidewalk because this doesn't need a 35 foot setback. And so then it's, it feels like it's incremental. At, whereas we had that conversation about that one lot and we're like, well, if we just change it by five feet, we should be able to get more in and, and you sort of looked at the plots and Alexis weighed in and all of that. And so it's just like, I just don't know where to bring that. So if you're saying let's dedicate a working session to unzoning, then it would just be helpful to A, know when we can do that, mm -hmm. B, um, figure out if there's some interface with staff so that I can ask the question before the meeting about like, hey, if I propose a change to setback from 35 to 12, what's that gonna do across the city, you know, in terms of lots? So that we don't have that argument, not the argument, but that discussion where you could say, well, Donnell, let's look at these original plottings and how that all lays itself out. So, so that's all, because I just don't wanna feel like it's coming out of left field and you've got this work plan and you're like, gosh, we're, we're getting close, but we keep getting tripped up on these small places. So I like your idea of let's have a unplanning working session where we all like pick five things in the UDC we wanna see go and we just bring them and like survivor, just vote them out of the UDC. <laughs> <laughs> the 
exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because I just think, I think there's some things about, that I'm learning about our land use that restricts certain things. And, you know, I even asked you the question about setback, and it was like, where is it? And you're like, it's at the property line. And I'm like, okay, but here are three things. Tell me exactly where this becomes an issue. And then we have all those non-conforming um, units or, you know, uses throughout the city. And so it's like, how do we just sort of, you know, I think it was Jane Henry's comment tonight that just sort of said something about that to just say, like, how do we just skip it <laughs> in the code and just say, we're just going to accept this as a new non-conforming district <laughs> as opposed to trying to do it incrementally. So that's all. And the only opportunity to have this conversation because of the Open Meetings Act and how we can use email is here at the table and then our meeting is at 11 and everyone's like, oh, fun conversation, but I would like to go to bed. <laughs> and I, I just want to avoid that. So um, yeah, so I vote, not that it matters, for a, uh, an unzoning you know, sort of conversation. And I'd love to hear what the other commissioners think about that. Go ahead, Commissioner Abrams. I really like that idea. Um, I also think that we often have small, small bites on our agenda, like um, cottage food industry update, update or I'm drawing a blank, but I think between us, we could all remember kind of smaller items. So I think in the work plan, something like drive-throughs or I think there can, like maybe we could have a working session to kind of generate a bunch of ideas, but we don't have to take them all on at once. And we could identify ones that are little nibbles or smaller bites. And sometimes those small bites balloon and end up taking nine months, but sometimes we are able to be quite efficient and do things within a couple of meetings um, and adding 20 minutes to each meeting or something like that. It doesn't have to be. So maybe we could um, try to tackle it that way. Like maybe there's a kind of, I don't know what you call it in the work plan, but there's a, an allowance, let's say, that we hold for kind of smaller um, scale items. And the work plan really outlines much bigger, the, the kind of bigger things we know are gonna take months, months of work. Commissioner Dish. I like this idea of an unzoning conversation. Uh, as often when there's a potluck or even a reverse potluck, I'm a little daunted that my offering may not be very good because the idea of reading through the UDC and figuring out what I want to strike, that feels like more than a weekend's homework. Uh, <laughs> but um, it does seem to me that a number of things have come up. So I know that during the discussion of ADUs two years ago, that uh, restriction on the number of unrelated people that can live in a place because we had to think about it in terms of the ADU and the main house. So that has come up and there seems to be an appetite to think about what purpose that is serving and what sorts of normative household forms it is enforcing. Um, and so that would be something that I think we've already talked about it seems like there are probably other things like that that we that have come up before that we might want to visit in a systematic way. And like you said, Commissioner Weich, getting some staff feedback so that you know what looks ridiculous to us. Oh, but think of this. Oh, 
so, and it's fine for that to happen at the session or, or in notes beforehand the way the staff gives counsel staff responses so that we save embarrassment. <laughs> um, we could, you know, we could do that kind of format, but if, if anyone else can think of ones that we have spoken about before, and I don't know, can we talk about setbacks generally? I know that we have spoken about them with respect to particular zoning districts, because uh, that's what we did with when we, did, when we just did the great R2A revision. We specifically looked at, um, it wasn't setback, but it was lot sizes, right? So, yeah, um, I don't know if there are, are there other things that have come up more or less repeatedly that are in the UDC that we would want to come to in a structured way and really think if we want to tackle rather than keeping on butting up against them and, and feeling, you know, vaguely annoyed or confused by what they are doing there. I guess I would add one other thing too, and that is like what makes sense to have, does it make sense to have that discussion as part of our own discussion and or is it better as part of the whole comprehensive plan piece too? So that, that's, there, I'm a little confused by that, frankly, about sort of how those things overlap. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if you have any wisdom on that. Mr. Well, Parker. I think, I think Commissioner Weich was starting off with this. The planning process, at the conclusion of a planning, the, this planning process, ideally from my lens, it has, there's three pages with tables at the end, and it says year one, the city should update its lot size requirements and its setback requirements, and it should look at uses in the R1 districts. Year two, it should evaluate changes to its natural features ordinances in the following manner. And it should consider consolidation of commercial districts for simplicity, and it should revise uh, short-term rentals in the to consider this impact. Um, year four, five, and it, get, it lays out then, that's the, the plan, as Commissioner White asked, doesn't change a single regulation in our UDC. It does result in a community vetted and bought in prioritization of those changes that we should undertake to, to the UDC after adoption for the sake of realizing our vision. I think Commissioner Weich is saying, I don't wanna wait till that. There are changes that we should take concurrently to that process. Yes, and those are yeah. those are the changes that you that we've identified here because they are currently reflected in our plans. As we go through that process, that is the conversation that we would have. I would be frantically at this table trying to say, um, I want to reduce the lot sizes in the R1B district. I would be frantically trying to answer the question: Does our plan address that or not? Uh -huh. I guess, like, I support, maybe I didn't say it when it was on the page loud enough <laughs> before it fell off the page, the unzoning. Um, but I am kind of imagining a structure where through a working session brainstorm, we discover things that might fall into the Charlie Delta category and then other things that get their own line item. Right, like that. There's, there's two tiers of this work to be done and yep. some things might be less impactful and be a single 
correct? Correct. Um, and so, uh, this feels like a bigger conversation than parking maximums, but um, like unzoning before parking maximums, and then at least we get the first round of things out to figure out what needs to map out into this list and what then becomes maybe in the future list rolling into, you know, I guess whatever all the minor changes. And so when it kind of comes up again in staff tasks, they're like, oh, there's actually this pile down here. Um, so I, I would support that. I'm not sure. Maybe that's for like the next meeting. If you're look, starting to look at time, look what an unzoning working session might be. Yeah. At least to kind of have dedicated discussion to it to build the framework instead of make the decisions at that one to start doing the ordinance work. Just for a reference point, over the last 10 years, the city has on average adopted four UDC amendments per year. How many have we adopted so far in 2022? I don't know that yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I just haven't done that data. So yeah. um, it's, you've been increasing over the last five years, we've averaged six amendments per year. So I, just for a scale of, mm -hmm. that's a pretty good, that's that 10 years is different planning commissions, different councils, different planning directors. Um. Yeah, so I, I, um, I really appreciate this part of the conversation because for me, the disconnect is between the UDC and the comprehensive plan that we're going to create a document that plans the city to 2050, but it's not going to actually touch the codes at, at, the, at that process. And I think that's the piece when I'm talking to people in the community that there's that disconnect of like, oh, how are we actually going to do the missing middle if we don't actually change the UDC? So we can say we want to build these sort of neighborhoods that are more walkable or more livable or where people can um, age in place, but then it pushes the UDC to have to change to reflect that. And there's not a straight line, or I shouldn't say it as declarative as that. There doesn't seem to be a straight line all the way from the land use to how it's going to change in the UDC. It feels like it's going to happen, but it happens in stages, it happens incrementally, it happens along this kind of path. And as we've already identified, there's some things that I think we've already noted, like, oh, do we really need to have this? And if we do need to have it, it may inform the consultant's work around the comprehensive plan. And so if, if we can't adopt 15 <laughs> revisions to the UDC because that's unprecedented and would cause a lot of concern for folks, uh, we could cue that up to the consultant to say, as you're building out our land use, these are the changes we need to see reflected in the UDC so that we can accomplish this vision of aging in place. 
this vision of a walkable neighborhood. And just the idea of having, you know, in our neighborhood in Lawton, there's all these roads, but there's not enough sidewalks that get you out of the neighborhood. So even if you want to get out of the neighborhood, you have to walk all the way up to Sio Church before you can go. And it's like, where does that come into the land use map where we like cut through two people's yards and we created easement and we put a sidewalk there so that they could get out to get to Main Street so that they can go to Bushes without having to walk a half a mile uh, to get out of the neighborhood. And so that's the, those are the kinds of things that I'm looking at as I bike around the city, as I walk every day through the city to try to say like, how do I get to my library? from my house, right? And and how do I cut over and so forth? So those are the the sort of unzoning uh, things that I was sort of trying to tee up. And um, and I'm, I'm grateful that you're open to that. I think my specific question would be, let's say I have a list of things, three right now, should I send that to you and then let you feedback or does it go to the whole group because of open meetings I, I just don't know what the protocol so, yes so um, you can share it with the whole commission or you can share it with me and I'm gonna share it with the whole commission okay great All but right. I'm not gonna so I'm not gonna but towards that end I won't any response I do to your questions is gonna go to the whole commission right which is fine because yeah. that's what it has to happen yep. but I can just send it directly to you okay thank you I appreciate this time to have this conversation just don't ask Commissioner Lee because I never return his calls. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Clark, did I see your hand up? Did I see your hand up or no? Yeah. Is it, Commissioner, sure, of yeah. course. Yeah, so this is kind of like, I don't know what to call it, infill sidewalk projects? Because I heard about that from people in Foxfire too. That their understanding was that when Foxfire was created, there were cut-throughs programmed, but they did, never got made. And it, that is not small, you know? If you have to go all the way out to Duvarin and then walk a while where there's no sidewalk and the traffic is going 65 uh, and then <laughs> cut in, I mean, that's crummy. That's not walkable at all. So that is a, that is a dimension of walkability that, that I don't think we've talked about a lot, and I really like that. Go ahead, Commissioner Clark. Okay, I hope this is um, okay time to mention this. Um, sorry. So something I didn't, uh, we kind of briefly mentioned about youth engagement in the urban planning. Um, a little bit step beyond that, I just was curious if there was space on the agenda for um, making more all-age friendly cities and centering like children and families. We're about to get a bunch of um, affordable housing units and other developments that are assumed we're going to be bringing in families and children. Um, there's a lot of new materials and research on um, cities and how they can plan and zone to be more child friendly. There's ways with um, like zoning with childcare, places like that, um, looking at which areas of the city are in home daycares allowed with zoning, what, you know, the size of the lots that would be required. Given the time right now with, you know, what a shortage we have in those things and that we're trying to make a city that's for all stages of life. I just would be curious if there's any space that we could kind of squeeze in, not only engaging youth that are old enough to do so, which is a great idea, but also um, children and yeah. So that's it. Yeah, I think that's really, that seems, that's a better articulation of what I was talking about with aging in place. Um, 
you know, the original RFP actually um, recommended enrollment in a very specific program through the NW or through the AARP um, called Livable Communities, and it's really intended for aging in place. And the provisions of aging in place for the elderly are really good for children, and they're really good for everybody. Um, so yeah, I, I think if nothing else, it's a broadening of that definition and that focus area. Um, I also like the idea though of, of just being able to have a session where we can kind of throw spaghetti at the wall and get your reaction about like, well, that, you know, <laughs> you may, that, that may be a little out there or something like that because um, I think that it would be nice to have kind of a brainstorming session that felt a little bit more free um, too, to be able to just kind of see and help each other, you know, uh, just gauge each other's uh, reactions to some of these things too, and just uh, see where we land and then we may come out with one thing or we may come out with five things or something like that. And I don't know that we need to vote or prioritize, but we don't often get that opportunity and I've, we haven't done it for a long time, but like having that whole day workshop thing, I feel I'm, I've missed having that opportunity to be able to have that more kind of loose and open format. And I get it that we're kind of stuck with the working session thing and, and that's fine. But I would like to be able to bring some of that feeling in of being able to really kind of talk with each other too about um, ideas and priorities and just like, well, what if this or what, you know, or it's just so that we can, we're all seeing a lot of different things here and talking to a lot of people and experiencing a lot of things through our own professional networks and everything too. And I just think it would be helpful to be able to have a session or two where we could really kind of pick each other's brains. And I, I totally get your need to be able to have these as tackleable items. And maybe we'll come out with two that are tackleable items, but it would be nice to have a format where we could just be a little bit more open with each other to be able to, um, you know, have a conversation. Yeah, I think that, I think that conversation might benefit your review of an RFP. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing that maybe, uh, maybe the retreat format is a good place yeah. to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to jump in and add to like, I know you can't probably like the, the research behind it. Alexis is really good at like explaining where the codes come from, but like for unrelated persons, it, can be because you can have a dozen unrelated persons living together in a basement on safe conditions sort of thing, right? So like worst case scenario and typically a historic moment tips the scales to requiring a code. And, you know, I can't pull every precedent, but it's helpful sometimes to situate why codes might be couched, you know, in health, safety, and welfare, but have other sort of impacts to opportunities of living and things like that. So, like, I, I think if we can also, like, set that conversation that way, so we can maybe, as we, I don't know if it's, like, a two-part then, that we, like, raise the question of, like, why is this? This feels, and then we send you back with some homework to explain why it is, so that we feel more comfortable with what's still on the books that we might not want to pursue, right? We're like, oh, now that we actually know it's kind of purpose in, in the UDC, we feel more comfortable with its reasoning. Yeah, yeah I am, 
I'm sensitive to that. I think my initial thought is I would bring a bunch of staff mm -hmm. and I would try to provide that framework sort of in real time to the greatest extent we can. At the same time, I sometimes, um, as much as I wish I weren't this way, sometimes I think um, me and bureaucracies can be sort of, we can sort of gravitate towards it's always been this way because of X, Y, or Z. And so I do wonder about whether there's just some value in really um, just finding the right line um, between trying to answer those questions, but being clear, taking a step back from advocating. Like for example, the definition of family um, has a very um, impactful history across the whole state. Um, our definition of family, um, to my understanding, is sort of the court case that establishes a reasonable balance of being able to limit the number of people that can occupy a dwelling unit so that you might not get unsafe uh, um, impacts. I am guessing part of it, frankly, came from student encroachment into neighborhoods as well. Without that, there would be um, the provision to any home would then potentially um, could be occupied by a much higher um, number of people because, you know, going from like a, a four bedroom in an R4C versus a dedicated home. So I'm guessing there was a lot of public policy discussions. It makes me nervous to adjust that because I know it's been vetted and supported by the courts. But that's an example where like, I don't know if that's the right thing for that conversation. Just because of all that doesn't mean it's not worth revisiting. So, um, so I, I appreciate that. I don't know the answer. I sort of feel like it's somewhere between us trying to provide some color commentary, but still writing it down to see where we go with it. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Like, it, it's not to just like uh, remove things from the list, but also it might be more about defining the terminology instead of just removing the line item sort of thing when we understand the purpose behind it and uh, actually, the per there's like purpose and there's impact and those can be right. two different things. And to have the conversation of what both of those are might steer us in a better direction of the way to change that policy. So that's right, like poking holes in it, it, you know, in the best and the worst case scenario, I think is the best way to get to po good policy. And it's um, from some of the research I did for the uh, Housing and Human Services Advisory Board Commission, in 99 years, we've gone from seven pages of regulations to like 340 pages of regulations. So when you're talking about there's a moment in history or uh, that's exactly what happens. There's all these moments and over that time period, um, whether it's marijuana facilities or short-term rentals or accessory structures or you name it, there's these moments in time where we say, well, how do we want to respond to this? And that results in that drastic increase in regulations, all coming from very good policy discussions and thoughtful discussions and debates at the time, but collectively they can have a big weight on a, on a site. Mm -hmm. And times change too. Anybody else? Okay, so we are at item 11 audience participation. One more opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about any item of interest. 
If you wish to address the Planning Commission at this time, press star 9 if listening by phone or use the raise hand feature if viewing through the web link for phone access. Call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. Nobody's present here. Is there anybody in line virtually? There is. Kirk Westfall, you have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Hi, good evening. Uh, great discussion tonight. I um, unfortunately missed part of it at the beginning, um, but I really appreciated the, uh, the conversation. Um, I, uh, the first thing that kind of struck me about um, thinking about the future comprehensive land use plan and the RFP and so on, which I hope, um, hope some timetables can be, can be put on because that's, I think, a super important process, um, made me wonder if uh, folks had had the opportunity to look at the sustainability framework, which is um, one of the elements of the uh, comprehensive plan. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty short and readable document, and I'm, I'm curious to hear from folks um, like how the format of that or sort of the broad values of that would differ from your ideal, uh, you know, comprehensive plan at the, you know, at the, um, as a finished product. So I'd be curious to, to hear any observations about that. Um, what else struck me about the conversation is it sounds like um, it might be helpful to have some clarity around what is and is not possible or advisable to do uh, either uh, you know, before the comprehensive planning process takes place you know, next year or whenever, um, or at the end of that, which is going to be in a couple of years. Uh, my impression has always been that anything that touches like R1 or R4 um, has been assumed that it's going to wait for <laughs> that process. I wish I wish I was wrong. You know, things like eliminating minimum lot sizes or reducing setbacks or allowing increased height and density in residential areas. Uh, you know, I would love for that to happen quickly. Um, but um, you know, I, I just in, in an effort to prevent any kind of wheel spinning with some of these work sessions, um, it would be good to get some clear guidance about what is and what isn't possible. To, to my knowledge, the you know the R two adjustments that were made have already been called out in plans, and that was sort of allowed from that standpoint. Um, Thirty more seconds. With regard to the work plan, um, I, I just want to, I, I hope you all were able, or would be able to read my lengthy email today at some point, but I really want to reinforce the, the importance of parking maximums. Uh, new studies have shown that parking maximums are three times more powerful than increasing transit service. Basically, if people don't have places to park, you attract non-drivers uh, to live in your city. 
And on page 82 of the 820 plan, it calls for setting low parking maximums um, throughout the city, not just uh, not just uh, in downtown or that's commercial. three minutes. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Caller with a phone number ending with 464. You can address the Planning Commission for three minutes. Uh, thank you. This is Linda Barauer again. Um, I appreciated your talk about the comprehensive plan. I'm very happy that you want to um, look over that, that previous RFP and see if it can be revised and updated and send it out quickly. I, I, I think that's wonderful. 700000 is not a small amount of money, and hopefully Council will pass that amount um, for the process. I, do, I don't understand. It sounded like Brett didn't think the... I, I know that the previous committee that designed the RFP and was actually in the process of vetting consultants, um, it sounded like Mr. Lennett didn't think that was a very friendly process, and I wonder why. I mean, it seems to me, I think that committee was composed of staff and planning commissioners and one community representative from each ward. And it seems to me that that was a really good way to do it. And I would hope that you wouldn't just exclude neighborhood ward representatives when you resuscitate this committee. I, I think I heard Brett recommend you keep it just to council, um, just to some uh, segment of planning commissioners and staff. That's not inclusion. I mean, we're you're always talking about equity and inclusion. That's not inclusion, so please rethink that. And then I also want to say, in terms of the actual process of designing the community input, I really appreciated whoever was talking about getting teenagers involved. I totally support that. I totally support being very proactive and going out into different segments of the, of the um, community, like high schools. I think we need to broaden the scope of, of the input to include all ages, very important to include all income levels, all neighborhoods, go into low-income neighborhoods, you know, into community halls in those neighborhoods, the schools, you know, you just need to do broad outreach. And then, of course, all races and ethnicities. So we really need diverse input, and I'm hoping you're going to go in that um, direction. My only final point is it seems there's a, quite a bit of confusion even among the planning commissioners, and I know some of them are new about the relationship between the comprehensive plan and the UDC. Now, there, there is a relationship, and I think it needs to be made very clear. And if Mr. Leonard cannot make that clear to the commissioners, maybe he can call in a professional to make, make that relationship a little more clear for all the planning commissioners, because it really is a key. There's, there's supposed to be a relationship and we need to make sure there is a relationship and not look at the two as two separate entities, which it seems like some commissioners are confused about. Thank you very much. Any other callers? Adam Jaskevich, you have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Hi, Adam Jaskevich here from the 4th Ward, 1430 Las Vegas Drive. Um, I um, think it's a, a lot of good discussion. Um, I just want to make sure um, 
The, the previous caller listed a bunch of different groups of people. Um, I think it would be valuable to include input from renters in Ann Arbor because that's a pretty large portion of our uh, residents in the city. And I think we should make sure that they're included in any discussions that we have about land use. Thank you. Thank you. That is all. Okay. Any commission proposed business or is that what we've been discussing for the, <laughs> the last 45 minutes? <laughs> Alrighty, then I think we are moving on to item 13, which is adjournment. Moved by Commissioner Dish, seconded by Commissioner Weich. We are adjourned. Thank you, Commissioner Gibrandle, for your fine leadership.